Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. Got a big show today. We got a lot to talk about. There's a lot happening in crypto right now and honestly broader markets in general. So we've got a lot to cover. Um, real quick, before we get into it, I just wanted to say I got a lot of DMs from you guys last week requesting to be in the Discord. The Discord is now live as of yesterday or two days ago. I'm recording this on uh, a Thursday. This episode will be up on Friday. So it was live as of Wednesday. Um, I replied, I think, to everybody who requested to join the Discord. So if you didn't get a reply back from me, DM me again if I missed you. I think I got everybody though. Uh, but if I miss you, just shoot me a DM on Twitter. Um, already got people in there. It's going well so far. I actually like it a lot. Um, it's pretty good. Because like, my biggest complaint with this show is that, you know, I do it like once a week, but I can't always give my updates like, you know, so frequently on, on the market because, you know, things get out of date. So the show is going to be more bigger picture, longer term stuff. And then the Discord is going to be like day to day. This is what I think. Here's a coin I'm playing. Here's a trade I'm, I'm looking at. You know, oh, BDC just made this move. This is what I think is going to happen next, et cetera, et cetera. So Discord is up and going. And I, I'm more active there than Twitter um, because, you know, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter's been annoying lately. Can I be honest with you? I, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just looking at the negative comments because I get more positive than negative, obviously. And I appreciate the positive comments. But like, there's nothing more annoying then, you know, I tweet lots of trades and lots of coins. And like, yeah, obviously, I don't have a 100% hit rate. No one does. And when you get like guys in your replies who are like, oh, are you still in this trade from two days ago that you said was going to go up and it went down? And it's like, okay, no, I'm obviously not still in that. I cut it. Like, like, listen, man, I tweet the trades I make. Okay. And you can make them with me or not. I don't care. I'm going to do me. I'm managing my portfolio. You manage yours. And we have a good time. Okay. I follow plenty of other traders on Twitter. And sometimes I follow people on trades too. If I'm like, oh, this is a smart guy. That looks like a good setup. I agree with him. That looks good. I'm going to follow him in. If it goes bad, I don't go in their replies like, hey, you said this was going to go up and it went down. What happened? It's like, fuck off. Hey, 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 kindly? Fuck off. Thanks. Anyways, anyways, I haven't been getting too much of that, but you know, you get that sometimes and it's like, bro, please spare me. Okay. Listen, you don't unfollow, you don't have to follow me Unfollow, block me, mute me. I don't care. You don't have to follow me. Make your own trades, bucko. Okay. But for those of you who do want to uh, share knowledge, knowledge, okay. You want to share knowledge, join the discord. It's uh, in partnership with Bybit because daily bread, as I mentioned last week, is brought to you bye bye bit um so to get in the discord you just need to sign up for buy bit using my link it supports the channel keeps the discord free doesn't cost anything just sign up with my link doesn't cost anything to join Bybit. well you have to deposit so i guess it doesn't cost money i mean i listen you deposit and then you take your deposit out am i gonna say anything i'm not gonna say anything listen listen what you do is up to you, okay? But the point is, you do need to sign up. We gotta get, we gotta boost the numbers. Listen, we gotta support the new sponsor, okay? It's a good exchange, you know. What's the problem? Anyways, let's get into the show. Enough about the Discord. Discord's been good though. Discord's been good. I post there multiple times a day, and I will continue to and be more frequent than Twitter and go like I give more in depth too because I can write more than just a little tweet. Um, okay, so 
Well, that happened this week. We're going to start quickly on the Binance um, lawsuit thing. That was a little bit ago now, so I don't want to go too much into it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the takes have been said. I, I, I think, obviously, it's a negative. You never want to see, you know, Binance getting sued. Uh, the biggest exchange in crypto getting sued by the CFTC. But there were a couple positives from it, and some people pointed this out. Number one, um, this is all from things that happened like years ago, right? This is all mostly, I think, like from 2018, 19, 20, that area, not like recently. Because obviously, anybody who lives in the US knows it's basically impossible to get on Binance uh, unless you're actively you know doing nefarious methods right so they do a pretty good job of like stopping people from the u.s getting on bybit or i'm sorry on binance on bybit we're good um but on binance it's tough and so uh you know the cftc is cracking down on them now some of the chat logs were egregiously bad okay this is like a message to everyone out there don't don't put things in writing that you wouldn't want, like, read in a courtroom. Like, you should be thinking about that, right? You should be thinking, especially if you work for a company like Binance or something, right? And you're doing things that you know are not above board, we'll call it. Don't go writing about you could buy AK-47s and whatever crap they were saying in chat logs. Like, that looks terrible. Even if it's a joke, it's like, come on, bro. Like, you're not helping the case here. So anyway, so that didn't look great, but it was from a few years ago. They've pretty much stopped all that for the most part, uh, at least U.S. users. Now, other countries, I don't know, but for U.S. users, it's pretty tough. And uh, the other, the other, so I'm sorry, I should say, I think the, the recap of that will just be they probably pay a fine and move on, you know? I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's it. I think that's how it's going to end. And then maybe there will be some new precedent that comes out of that. But that's about it. Uh, but the other benefit is that the CFTC, as I've said, I'm going to take a little victory lap on this one. I've reiterated multiple times over and over and over. The CFTC clarified that they believe that Bitcoin and Ethereum and other uh, cryptocurrencies are commodities, not securities commodities and i've said this before because people freak out because you have obviously gary Gensler at the sec recently you had the new york attorney general come out and they all say oh illegal securities trading right these are unregistered securities and it's like no they're not because the cftc who is the authority on this says they are commodities the new york attorney general has no say on what is or isn't a security that is not their domain they can give their opinion but it has no legal ramifications what they say okay the cftc the commodities futures trading commission i think is what the t is that what it sounds for yeah anyways they are in charge of that right and they reiterated again that these are commodities so we are commodities traders we are not securities traders and uh we need to make that clear but yeah that was the main thing from it i think they'll just get a fine and they clarified that it was a commodity so it's not hot news, but frankly, the market absorbed it pretty well. Uh, like I said, it's like these things are it's like we, we get hit with so much fun and bullshit every day. Now it's like, all right, whatever. What's next? What's next? Who's getting sued next? Who's going to jail next? Who's getting fined next? Whatever. Move on. Next. Doesn't matter. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little on the macro side a little bit, just as it relates to crypto is this 
kind of push from, um, you know, non-Western countries to kind of reduce the dollar's influence globally. So if you didn't see China, Russia, India, Brazil, Iran, Pakistan, a few, few of these countries are Saudi Arabia, um, are working together uh, in some different ways. It's complicated because there's a lot of different, you know, people act like this is some simple thing, um, but it's it's much more complex than just like, oh, they get together and, and make an agreement, right? These are all very large economies uh, globally, but they're making agreements with each other and trying to get other countries in to reduce the reliance on the dollar, if not get rid of dollar use between these countries entirely, right? And so an example of that is that Brazil and China uh, agreed to do trade with each other in their own currencies and not use US dollars. Uh, we've seen obviously, you know, Russia and China make deals where Russia is selling oil to China priced, priced in the yuan, not in dollars, which Globally, energy tends to be priced in dollars. The bigger one for me this week was that France made an agreement with China to buy natural gas from them in yuan instead of dollars. When previously, you know, it was always paid in dollars. And the reason that's a bigger deal to me is because obviously France is a Western country. They're part of the European Union. You know, the European Union is you know, kind of a pseudo uh, extension of the United States in many ways, especially when it comes to foreign policy and, and economic policy. And so Fran for France to do this is kind of a big deal. And that was more surprising to me. Um, so will this now there's also rumors of them creating like a joint currency between all these countries. Will that work? I don't think so. Um, but It'll be a fascinating case study if they decide to do that. Uh, I, I I think that how this why this matters for crypto is that it's kind of a reminder that the world is a big place, right? Obviously, for Americans, we're very American centric, and you know when it comes to financial markets, we are the biggest markets in the world. We have the most money, all that. But the world is a big place. And especially in financial markets, I think a lot of these foreign financial markets are going to get a lot more sophisticated and a lot bigger. I mean, they are already they're already big, obviously. But I mean, I think the relative share of global financial market dominance for the United States is going to go down over the coming decade uh, because I just think you have a very big effort in financial market and institution development in these other countries and other areas of the world, especially in Asia and in, in the Middle East, to compete at a global level, right? And, you know, you have countries like Saudi Arabia and, and like, for example, like the Middle East, obviously, you know, they, they run a lot on, they rely a lot on oil, right, for their, for their economy, right? Most of, you know, Saudi Arabia... Iran, all these countries, most of their money comes from oil. And they want to not be fully reliant on oil. And so they've been, and this has been an effort for years, this isn't anything new, but they've been investing in tech and all this other stuff. And I think one of the areas that they're certainly seeming to, to pay more attention to is crypto uh, and, and financial markets more broadly, but I think crypto will be a part of that. And I think that it's really easy to get discouraged 
when we see like in the US just this constant barrage of like getting hit from all angles on crypto. But then you look at other countries and you look outside of the US and I actually think that things are turning much more positive. I think you see a much more positive tone towards crypto globally than we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, we talked about in previous episode about how Hong Kong uh, is now like allowing people to trade crypto again, uh, when previously it was banned. And I think there's a good likelihood that at some point China is going to open up itself up more to crypto too. Um, and you see, like I said, in the Middle East, I think that Middle East will be its own little mini hub for crypto. You've already seen this a little bit with like Dubai becoming a mini crypto hub and all this. Uh, and, and I think that's only going to increase further. And so even if the US is kind of more anti-crypto uh, politically, I think that the rest of the world will not be. And that may end up being a forcing function for the US to kind of pivot and be a little more positive towards crypto. Because if not, then there's not going to be any crypto industry in the United States, right? And they might not think they want that now, but in the long term, they will. And that's going to be a problem for them. Um, so anyways, that was just kind of a little bit of a, a, a positive take on, on some of the happenings globally. Now, I will say on the other side, as far as like the dollar losing its stance in its dominance, that's not going to happen. I'm, no, um, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a dollar milkshake believer. If you don't know what that theory is, it's essentially that very very simplified version is that the world relies upon the dollar and the U.S. can kind of get away with printing it infinitely to a certain point, and that because everything is settled in the dollar, that there's always going to be so much demand for the dollar, that even if we keep increasing the supply, there will be demand to meet it, obviously within reason, you know, I mean, you don't want like hyperinflation. But as you we've seen over the last few years, we've printed a lot of dollars. And it looks like we're probably going to get away with it. Um, in a way that other countries cannot get away with printing their currencies, right. And, and that's when you see, you know, currency collapse. Uh, so I am a believer in dollar dominance still. I don't think that it's going to go away. The, the thing that, you know, China and Russia and all these countries have going against them in their fight against the dollar is that, frankly, there's not a lot of trust there, right? And deservedly so. You know, China is known for being somewhat of a fraudulent market. You know, they, they have been caught many times. I mean, they manipulate the hell out of their own currency. They falsely report all types of numbers, both within companies in their country, within, uh, you know, the statistics that they put out as far as how their economy is doing, all these things. They, they're always fudging numbers. So outsider trust in Chinese uh, currency, I don't think is going to be very high, uh, whether China wants it or not. Now, could they repair that reputation? potentially, but that's not something that just gets fixed overnight. That is like a many, many years effort of proving to be trustworthy that they just haven't had over the last decade. So I don't think that the trust factor is going to be there, which is the ultimate factor when you're talking about who's going to be the dominant currency. Now, do they have leverage in different ways of how they can use trade partnerships to get less reliance on the dollar? Yes. And I think that we are going to be less of a unipolar order in the world as far as like the US being the dominant force and no one else really being close. I think we are transitioning into this multipolar order world. I'm not a believer in the Ray Dalio camp of the 
you know, U.S. is falling and China's the next empire. No, not a fa not a believer in that at all. I think that's a that's very flawed reasoning. I think that we're going to go back to what is the norm, which is a multipolar order, right? Traditionally, the world has always had multiple powerful nations, right? It's very rare that you've had what we've had over the last call of 50 years or whatever since 70 years since, you know, post-World War II. Well, actually, no, because obviously we had Cold War with USSR. So really, it's been more like since the fall of the USSR. So it's maybe been like 30, 40 years uh, of more unipolar US is like the singular giant power and everybody else is kind of fighting for a second, a distant second. I think that we're going to see the US come down a peg and other countries together move up a peg. China will be the leader of them, but you'll see Russia, you'll see Brazil, you'll see India, you'll see a lot of these countries kind of move up a little more, I believe. Um, and that I think is probably good, right? Because if you look at the history uh, of, of the world, it's not that common that you have a unipolar order, right? If you look at like Europe throughout the entire, you know, like Middle Ages, really, uh, it was always, you know, you had, you had England, you had France, you had Germany in separate states and, and kind of separated and together. Uh, you know, you had all these different factions, uh, Spain, right, like fighting with each other, and sometimes cooperating, sometimes fighting, but they were always you know, kind of somewhat equal. There wasn't one that was super dominant, right? You had ones that were like a period where England was more powerful, France was more powerful, whatever. But it wasn't like we have today where it's like you have this one massive country that's utterly dominant over everybody else. Um, so I think that's going to decrease over time and that'll probably be good. And I think it's good for crypto, certainly, because it means that just because the U.S. is anti-crypto doesn't mean that crypto is going to be dead because there's going to be a lot of interest globally outside of the U.S. So anyways, that's kind of my little rant on uh, that whole situation. But like I said, the dollar will still be top dog and that ain't going to change unless some really crazy shit happens and... I don't think really crazy shit's going to happen in the way that, like, you know, the Balajis and whoever else is saying. Um, with that said, the U.S. is kind of quietly under the radar, uh, or at least I should say U.S. entities are doing things pro-crypto, right? Like we've talked recently, we saw Fidelity uh, finally launched their crypto service um, that has been like in the works for years. NASDAQ quietly kind of under the radar announced that they are launching their own Bitcoin custody services. Uh, I think this was last week. Uh, so you do have like these under the radar things, you have this stable coin bill that's being proposed. A lot of it is pushed by Circle, um, but there's a lot of proponents for it in Congress uh, that are pro this, and I think it will get passed, which is that uh, stable coins will have a direct line at the Treasury. Currently, they don't. Uh, so that's why you have to have Circle with money at banks and, and such like Silicon Valley Bank. If they had a direct line at the Treasury, they would no longer need that. And so you would reduce that risk and uh, you could make you know, USDC much more or any other stable coins that happen to come up uh, uh, much more secure in their liquidity. Um, so you have these like kind of quiet under the radar positive things despite the, the overarching negative stuff. Uh, and I just think, I, I think the end game is that you will have similar to financial markets today, 
a crypto market in the US that is more regulated and more tight in terms of what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and things like this. Uh, and then a global market that's a little more loose depending on the country, depending on what you're trading, whatever. Um, and that but it's not that you're going to have crypto banned in the US or anything like that, right? You're just going to have more strict regulations on American markets. And then globally, you're going to have uh, a little more loose depending on the country, but it's going to be a very global market. And I think it'll reflect similar to how financial traditional financial markets are today. So anyways, moving on from uh, macro, wanted to get in to the current state of the market and the week looking forward. So um, as far as price action goes, at the time I'm recording this, BTC is in the uh, lower 28K area. Um, I'm not really thrilled with the push up past 29K that we had or towards 21K. Did we break it? Let me see. I think we did, right? We did get a little bit. Yeah, we went to like 29.2 or so. Um, wasn't super thrilled with that because we had a ton of buy side volume, like imbalance on the way up, uh, a ton of positive buy delta, meaning the difference between buyers and sellers. And there was just a ton of, of, of volume push more than we've seen in a couple of weeks. And we weren't able to break through that. So what that tells me, and, on, and that's kind of like the like third or fourth time that we've tried breaking out of this like this kind of range we're in from like 20, call it like 26.8-ish up to about 29. Uh, we're not really able to break out of this range right now uh, to the upside. So normally when you have multiple pushes to the upside like that, it means you're gonna have a push back towards the downside, which is totally healthy and fine. I thought we were gonna have it uh, on the Binance CFTC news because it looked when we dumped like that, I thought, okay, here we go, this is it. And we recovered. And now that was the push yesterday on where I should say Wednesday, by the time you listen to this on Friday, it was two days ago, but I don't love that. So right now I'm kind of neutral. I'm not looking to short. Uh, I'm not really looking to short alts here. I was short earlier in the week um, and hit some and then kind of gave some back. So I'm kind of not really looking to short some alts right now. I'm just more looking at uh, not like going all in balls long like a lot of people are here. As much as I would love to see us push higher and see alts especially get a run since they haven't in the last couple of weeks with this BTC dominance, uh, I, I can't deny that BTC just looks like it's going to probably go down. It's looking a bit distributive up here, which is totally fine. So I, I'm thinking right now we're probably going to go back towards 25K and then we can make the push up towards past 30, right? Uh, and, and you saw... This is like exactly the same price action that we saw at the end of January, early February, when we made the first big run to start the year. And then we started chopping in like the, uh, I think it was like the 22 to 24 area, roughly. And then we just couldn't break past like 23, 24. We tried a few times. We couldn't break past it. And then we finally broke down. I think we caught like 21K or so. And then we pushed back up towards 25 right before getting into the higher range zone. And that's exactly what I think is happening here. We had the big move up and now we've just been chopping for like almost two weeks now. And so I think that we're gonna have uh, a move back down towards 25 and then we'll get the, the momentum that we need to push, pack, push past 30. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Obviously, if my invalidation is if we can flip 29 and like hold above it for say a daily candle or something like that, 
preferably if we can get maybe 29.5 and flip something like that, then I would flip more bullish. Um, the other thing too is just that ETH BTC continues to kind of just not look great. Uh, it's tried getting back above the 6.5 level a couple of times and it's failed. If it can flip 6.5, then we can probably get that push up on alts. But I don't have a ton of confidence in ETH BTC getting that push up considering the fact that we do have ETH Shanghai in a couple weeks. So overall, I'm just, I'm not really bearish or bullish. I'm pretty neutral here. I'm, I'm about 50% allocated, 50% stables, 50% um, in like on-chain stuff, and then taking some swings here and there on alts. Uh, but overall, so I'm, I'm definitely exposed. And with that half that I'm exposed to, I'm just willing to kind of sit through swings for the most part up or down. Um, like I talked about last week, I think it's time to start just, you know, sitting through some of these moves a little bit because, because you know, on-chain has had its own little uh, momentum. Uh, you know, one of the coins that's done really well is Ush, which I talked about last week. And uh, that one, like 3X since I talked about it, that one was a good winner for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just tough, right? Because alts, uh, alts I, I would say the major alts have been struggling. The small cap on-chain stuff has been doing pretty well, depending, like pockets are doing well. It's just a challenge because obviously, you know, on-chain has been in this mode where it's like, it, it, it like goes between correlation and decorrelation, and it's not always extremely easy to tell when it's happening, right? It's almost like sometimes on-chain feels like this safety area where all this stuff is happening on BTC and ETH and they're whipsawing, and then on-chain is kind of stable. But then other times it'll be like, oh, BTC moves down, and then, you know, the small cap stuff gets wrecked. And it's not always easy to tell when small cap stuff is going to hold up fine and when it's going to get wrecked. And uh, that's been kind of the challenge with it. This has been a bit of a tough market the last week or so to get a good gauge on. Um, but frankly, I just am buying alts that I like and that I think that when I say I like, I, I like their fundamentals and I like their positioning for the mid to longer term, not just like quick little in and out plays. So those are the alts that I'm comfortable sitting in. Um, I mentioned like Ush is one of them. Um, I'm still sitting in Quenta, um, Aura, Premia. Those are the one, main ones. Um, and so the, like, like I said, I, I just think that right now we're probably going to push back towards 25. If we do and we get a big blowout on alts, then I will be allocating much harder for a pushback up. Um, and, and I think like, I think the Arbitrum airdrop was a good gauge for where the market's at, right? I was pretty bullish going to the Arbitrum airdrop. We had a lot of bullish momentum. This was like closer to when BTC was moving hard. And I thought that we would get a big push up pretty quickly after the airdrop sellers sold. And we did, right? Like on the day we went, you know, it opened at whatever. Um, and then it basically started bleeding out towards like, 110 or so was roughly the the bottom and then it had this big move up it started pushing up and it went all the way to like one what was it 150 155 or so on the first day and it was like okay everything going according to plan right because i i had bought in the in the 120s and like low 130s uh more than just like what my airdrop was and i was planning to hold this long up towards like past two dollars but then we got totally totally stuffed at like a dollar fifty-five or so, and 
we just didn't come back from that. And then obviously we just started dumping for days. And that kind of told me the state of the market in terms of it's, it's still PVP, right? Because the thing that was really telling for me and one of the reasons why I said I think it's going to be worth over $2 is simply just looking at the comps, right? If you looked at its FDV comps at $1.30, $1.40, it's the same value as Optimism. It's the same value as Aptos. It's the same value as uh, 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 Polygon in terms of FDV. So it was the same level as all these other ones. And I said, but I think Arbitrum is the best out of all of these, right? Not just I think that it's the best, it is the best in terms of TVL, in terms of users, in terms of volume, right? It's way better than Aptos. Who uses Aptos? Uh, Polygon is pretty much a dead chain too, other than a few things here and there. Uh, you know, and Optimism is the only one that I would say is also a good chain, but Arbitrum is twice as big in terms of TVL and volume to, to Optimism. So it just made sense that, okay, I think Arbitrum should be worth, you know, at least double what, what like the FDV of Aptos is, right, and, and, and Optimism, but that wasn't the case, right? The market was just not willing to kind of price accordingly. The market was still very much in PVP mode. Now, it has started moving up again, so we'll see. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, uh, it's higher. It's in like the, it got past like 130 today, um, but that's back after going down towards one. Uh, but this is kind of the fair value area that it seems to be in. We'll see if we can push past it. Um, and that would be a good gauge for the market. I think like something like this is always a good gauge of where we're at because if there was a lot of new money in, coming into the market, then a hot new coin like this that has like legitimate, uh, you know, reasons to be worth a lot of money and has all the attention and has like the airdrop and all that stuff, all these different factors, uh, it would push up pretty hard, but it didn't. It got sold off. So we'll see what happens over the coming week or two with Arbitrum. And it's only been a week, obviously, so it's too soon to tell. But that was like the gauge for me was like, okay, a lot of the people got their money and took profit and were not really looking to buy other stuff. And then you said the Arbitrum ecosystem itself not really do much after that, right? A lot of people were thinking that, oh, even if people sell the ARB token, their airdrop, they're going to go buy all these Arbitrum tokens in the ecosystem instead, right? Uh, and, and you're going to see all these prices go crazy. And that didn't really happen. In fact, it was the opposite, right? A lot of people bought going into the Arbitrum airdrop and then sold off and a lot of tokens sold off in the days following the airdrop. So that kind of told me, and I was seeing, frankly, just like a lot of tweets of like people being like, oh yeah, I, I took my airdrop and then I, you know, paid my car off with it and I, uh, you know, I, I bought a gift for somebody or whatever, like stuff like that, which is cool and nice and whatever. But that kind of tells me like, if we're in bull market, people are, are selling their airdrop to go like buy other coins. They're not doing it to like cash out of the market, right? So that tells me that we're still not in like full bull, full like, oh, it's it's up only mode. No, definitely not. We're still in PVP traders market mode, which is totally fine. You just have to understand that, right? And what that means is you just still have to, unfortunately, as much as you, it might not be as fun, you have to be disciplined, you have to take profits more. I know last week I said it's time to be a little more undisciplined. Uh, I do agree with some of the small caps in terms of like, hey, you know, if you're buying a 20 mil market cap coin, you're gonna probably just have to stomach 40% swings on it. And that's just the way it is. Um, but with some of the bigger cap stuff, 
that's not the case. I would still be with your swing trades being more disciplined and, and taking profits on them um, until things change, until we see more inflow into the markets. Um, I still maintain Q4. It will probably be the time that we start the real bull run. I think this year will still be choppy. Um, now, as far as price targets, like I said in the previous episode, if we clear 30K, I think we can make that move towards the high 30s, low 40s. But let's see. Um, I'm not like as boltard as other people are right now. I'm more just like, hey, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. I'm just going to trade the price action as it is. We had a pretty good move these last couple of weeks. Let's not get ahead of ourselves in terms of like, oh, Bitcoin new highs this year, right? Or even Bitcoin back to 50K and all that stuff. Um, and the thing that troubled me is there is a lot of people I saw this week that were like, oh, I'm all in. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, people are all in like at the highs, like at resistance. As we're failing to break 29K, people are telling me they're all in. That type of behavior normally doesn't get rewarded. So that gives me pause. Um, you know me. I love to be a bull. Nobody loves to be a bull more than I do. But we got to make money. We got to be responsible. And I'm just telling you like it is. It's not time to be full bull tard yet. I will let you know when I'm full bull tard. Believe me. I can't wait. But it's not time yet. It's not time yet. So keep that in mind with your, with your trades. As far as narratives go... Uh, the big one that's happening right now, and this relates to Ush, is LSD Phi, meaning liquid staking derivatives. Uh, Phi, uh, kind of the idea of LSD Phi summer. I was tweeting about this about a week ago, and now uh, other people were too, and now it's like really picking up steam. Ush being the the front runner leader, but there are other tokens popping up too. There's uh, Zero, Acid, another tokens. Literally, LSD is the ticker. Um, Ether, Phi, there's a few of these. Um, not really into any of them that much except for Ush. I was in LSD briefly and then I got out because I didn't realize how bad the emissions were on LSD, um, the token. And uh, so I'm out of it for now, but I may hop back in it depending if it bleeds out to a reasonable level. But the point is this narrative is kind of starting because obviously you have Shanghai coming in a couple of weeks and that's when all of this uh, ETH is going to be unlocked. And on top of that, you're going to have all these new ETH deposits into liquid staking derivatives. And so these LSDs are going to grow in terms of their TVLs. And there's going to be all this money that's just kind of sitting there, right? And the cool thing about LSDs is that the, the liquid part is that you can use them as uh, like they're essentially these yield bearing assets that then you can use for other things you can borrow against them you can deposit in other places to provide liquidity you can do all types of things they're essentially like the uh the money legos or whatever like people used to talk about in old school DeFi. this is like a new money lego uh that's going to grow in popularity over the coming months as shanghai uh is behind us and so because of this you have all these protocols trying to get in on the like building on top of lsds and so that's the idea behind the lsd phi narrative so for me so far ush is the main one um other than that i think so zero is i think it's called liquid zero it's it's basically alchemics for uh lsd in the sense that you can 
I don't know if they let you borrow the full amount up front or a half or something like that, but basically you deposit your LSD into, uh, you know, like say you have Lido, Rapstick ETH, you deposit it into zero and then you can get a loan against it um, and then it repays with the yield that's earned from your uh, staked ETH, right? And so you have lots of kind of protocols being built off of this from the idea that the, the ETH is generating yield and we can unlock new uh, DeFi mechanisms with that is kind of the concept there. So I think it's really interesting. Um, we'll see how it goes. I think that we'll have we'll see a lot of like innovation and, and forks and stuff that pop up. It could very well be similar to how uh, you had all of these like stable coins pop up during the DeFi summer uh that most of them like went to zero and failed but from that we ended up with a few winners in my opinion totally biased but i think ush will be one of the winners besides ush i'm not sure yet we'll have to see so there's only a few out but i think there will be a lot more it's a narrative i would not fade i would definitely pay attention to because there will be some outsized returns i think uh coming from this and uh plugging the discord again I'll be talking as they come to me. I'll be posting more of these in Discord. I already posted a couple in there. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what's going on with DeFi Summer. Or I'm sorry, LSD Fi Summer. Now, the other DeFi narrative that is going to start uh, this week on top of that is UniV3 forks. So for those who don't know, Uniswap, they made V their V3 model, which is where they created the idea of concentrated liquidity. In V2, it was just uh, if you deposit ETH in a pool, you can't decide which price ranges it, it applies to. It just applies to any price range. With V3, they created concentrated liquidity. So if you're an LP, say on ETH, you can put your ETH liquidity band where you only provide liquidity from 1700 to 1800. If it's outside of that range, you don't provide any liquidity, right? So that was like the main innovation with V3. And they had a license on the code for two years. And that license is expiring April 1st. And so you will see lots of UniV3 forks popping up. Uh, PancakeSwap, which is the biggest uh, BNB chain uh, DEX, has already said that they're going to uh, fork UniV3. I think they already have done it and they're launching April 3rd, I think is the date for that. Um, but you're going to see a lot of UniV3 forks. And I think that this will create its own little season. Um, no one's talking about this, but I talked about this earlier in the year and it didn't start yet, but I think maybe it'll start now, which is Itchy uh, Forks. Itchy, if you remember, ICHI was this uh, kind of, you know, Ponzi-nomic mechanism that used UniV3 liquidity uh, to create like price bands. And I think that you will probably see some type of protocols popping up that are using their own built-in decks to use concentrated liquidity to create these price bands to kind of control price action on tokens. Um, and you'll see like basically itchy forks popping up, I think. Um, that's my prediction on that. But you will definitely see Uni V3 forks 
all over the place. And that's something we should pay attention to. As far as plays, the pancake swap, that one, I don't know if you're going to see a major price move because of that. But the one that is kind of under the radar and popping up now is called Gamma, G-A-M-M-A. This is a liquidity management tool uh, that essentially manages liquidity for protocols and they can use them to manage their liquidity. I think a lot of these Uni V3 protocols are going to use them. Um, it's been ripping in the past like week or so, but I think it it's only like 15 mil market cap. I think it's got a lot of room to go. If a lot of these Uni V3 forks do use them, this thing could definitely be like a 50 mil plus market cap token. It's similar to like Popsicle Finance Ice. If you remember what Danny was doing back in the day during the bull market with ice except they never launched anything really that worked this one is like live and working and i mean i don't remember what ice got to but it was hundreds of millions low billions market cap i forget exactly how high it got um, so i'm not saying gamma will get there but i think gamma definitely has upside despite kind of moving already so that's that's one of the more diversified plays because you don't have to bet specifically on some fork you can bet on gamma getting business from these forks um so that's like the other one so lsd fi and uni v3 uh forks those are like the two narratives that i anticipate or not anticipate i know they're going to be happening over the next few weeks um and then east shanghai is kind of the big one overall and we'll probably get more into east shanghai next week as we get closer to it there's not a whole lot to say with east shanghai i think we all know what to expect it's just that you're gonna have a bunch of eth unlocking that's been locked for years and you're probably gonna see sell pressure from that uh and i think that eth price will remain suppressed going into that i would be shocked if we can break past like 1850 towards like 2k if uh, before Shanghai, in my opinion. I think it's going to keep ETH price suppressed. And I think there's a very good likelihood that the ETH BTC pair bottom will be like that week of Shanghai. Um, and hopefully that will mean, like the ideal scenario for me, if I was going to say how I would like this to play, I'm not saying it will, but for profit sake, if we kind of just probably keep chopping around a bit, who knows what happens, Ideally, have like the pullback maybe next week or the week of Shanghai on BTC and ETH, right? And keeping that ratio. So BTC goes to 25K. Say ETH pulls back hard and there's lots of fear going into Shanghai. ETH goes back to 15, maybe 1400. Uh, and then alts push down hard with it and we get like a wipeout across the board. That would be beautiful because then we can really shove in and really get a lot of good fills and good entries on a lot of these alts. They're kind of in no man's land right now as far as where they are uh, in terms of price action. That would be the, like, the ideal scenario. If that happens, I will definitely be very bullish coming out of that. Um, but, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see how things go. But that's I, I don't see ETH getting out of this the, the, the like 1800 area before Shanghai in two weeks. I, it would shock me. Maybe I'll be wrong, but it would shock me if that happened. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at on that of the next couple of weeks. I anticipate a pullback and probably choppiness going into Shanghai. But once we're past Shanghai, I think that removes a lot of uncertainty. And I think ETH BTC pair will uh, merge again and then we can potentially get that move towards 2k ETH and maybe higher that we've been wanting to see all year and if that happens I think alts are really going to send so that's kind of the 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 you know next month or so outlook um, but I don't think that's going to happen in the next week um, other updates as far as coins that you know I talk about a lot on this channel Aura uh, they are expanding or have expanded to Arbitrum finally, so that's good. And uh, they're going to start making a lot of money through bribes on Balancer on Arbitrum. 
Um, Premia, I talk about this all the time. I'm not going to give the spiel on Premia, but they're launching V3 in April. So we finally are going to get Premia V3. I've been messing around with some of the options on there. I actually bought ARB call options uh, and uh, for fun. And uh, they actually expire on Friday, so I don't know. I think I bought dollar forty and dollar sixty. Dollar sixty are definitely not going to hit. The dollar forty ones, maybe we'll we'll get a hit on those. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that um, we may finally see a push up on Premia after all this time. There's been a lot of accumulation on it for months. I've been buying more clips here and there. Uh, pretty much everybody I know who like knows about Premia loves it, and it's just kind of an unknown token. So hopefully we'll get some more more exposure to it next month. Um, Level finally uh, are transitioning to a DAO, which means that a lot of the revenue that comes from Level is now going to go towards the LGO holders and Level stakers. More, or I should say, more of the share, which is just going to give more token value to it. So that's bullish for level. That's why I had a little pump today. Uh, I had a dump on the Binance news because obviously it's on Binance chain and people freaked out, but it's kind of coming back over $7 again. Um, I don't know when it'll make the run, but I do think it will make the run into the double digits at some point. Um, especially, like I said, if we get that alt push level is one I'm going to want to be positioned in. Um, and that's about it. Other ones, Unidex is still working on their optimism chain. Um, they are partnered with DeFi Llama. So a lot of the DeFi Llama routing is going to go through Unidex. So there's some bullish catalysts on Unidex. I like Unidex as a almost perp dex index play because they aggregate perp dexes through them and uh they provide good liquidity their ui is terrible they need a better user experience but that's fixable but the hard part of the routing they do a really good job of so that's good and uh, i think that one will continue to kind of push up slowly it kind of chops a lot but I, I think it will make the move uh up at some point as far as like towards 50 mil plus market cap for sure I think the 100 mil run will take a little longer just because people kind of jeet that thing a lot, not going to lie. Um, but I think that'll happen over time. So there's, that's kind of the updates on the coins that we watch. Uh, like I said, same same list. Oath is another one. I need to talk about Oath. I'll go in depth on the next episode a little more on Oath. I never really, I mentioned it, but I never really talked about it a lot. Um, I'll go more in depth on Oath next time. So I think that's it for today, guys. Thanks for watching or listening be sure to uh dm me if you didn't get in the discord and you were looking to um other than that share the podcast with a friend if you enjoy i've been getting a lot of good feedback in the podcast lately i really appreciate that guys i do appreciate that it means a lot and uh yeah keep on pushing see you guys next time